going to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Hello and welcome to the program. You are listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Thank you so much for listening. Whether you're listening through your antenna or online, our issue tonight has to do with the state of Alabama, the future of Alabama, but also the future of this country. Now, I was struggling personally whether or not I wanted to bring on political candidates or if I wanted to just continue reading H.L. Mencken and mocking the bourgeoisie, but I found that, okay, this one guy reached out, and your campaign reached out, and his name is Ron Bishop. You are running for the United States Senate as a write-in candidate. Ron, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. And you're running in the campaign that's getting a lot of notoriety because of Roy Moore, and the national press loves that, and Doug Jones. Mm Mm-hmm. In my opinion, and it's my humble opinion, I know some of you out there go, oh, you young whippersnapper, you don't know what you're talking about. Maybe so, but I'm going to talk anyway. Roy Moore seems a little overzealous to me Definitely. on certain, certain issues in particular. And Doug Jones, for lack of a better word, seems flaccid, wishy-washy, like he's going to go up there. It's almost like a not-a-vote-for-Roy uh, sort of campaign he's running, and I'm going to be a big compromiser. Yeah, and he'll, and he'll just... Further along, the democratic process of, uh, or their their mentality of tax and spend, and just follow the Democratic Party without even uh, taking into consideration what uh, the people of Alabama want. So, you are running as a you are a member of the Libertarian Party. Yes, here in Alabama, but. You're running as a writing candidate. Now, folks might be wondering, you didn't even take the time to get the signatures, man. Explain to folks why it had to be a writing campaign. Yeah. Um, when the special election was called, we had about four months in order to collect uh, roughly 30,000, uh, 36,000 validated signatures in order to get on the ballot. Alabama has one of the worst uh, ballot access laws for third parties and uh, independents. So our only option was to run a, a write-in campaign. So, I mean, literally, you want folks, and I've heard some of the, your ads out there, just write in Ron Bishop. Exactly. This is the campaign. Exactly. They, they can keep us off the ballot, but they can't keep you from writing my name in in that little spot set at the bottom. Well, let's do the basics then. Let's get to know you. Um, okay. or where are you from? Here in Alabama? Yep. yep. Uh, I live in Irondale, Alabama. Uh, work uh, for a wine import company in Birmingham. Um, IT geek for it. Um, have uh, two... Two kids, a son in the Air Force and a daughter that's a uh, uh, senior in high school. Uh, my lovely bride, uh, Renee, uh, is at home, hopefully listening. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just uh, your average uh, Alabama-born and bred IT geek. I, I love it because you, 
we were talking a little off air, and you strike me as you care about the, the issues and where the country's going, but you don't strike me as the average politician that walks into the studio or I see on television. You're not in some sleek suit. You're not sitting here with a, a nice rehearsed story that you're throwing out at me. You just say, we need to give the people of Alabama a different option. So how are you different from, say, Roy Moore and Doug Jones? Well, you know, the libertarian principles are about freedom. You know, you, uh, we, we're aggressively taking over the world to leave you alone. Uh, it's one of our fun mottos. Um, but, uh, you know, I just... I, the, the, the issues that Roy Moore brings up that are so controversial, um, you know, we don't care who you are. We don't care who you love. You know, as, as, as long as you're a law-abiding, good person, you know, that's, who, that's, that's all we care about. You know, as a libertarian, you know, we don't uh, we don't care about the color of your skin. don't care about who you love. Just, uh, you know, be who you are and respect your your fellow citizens. And, you know, there's no issue. But I can hear folks saying that's a Doug Jones position. How do you differ from, say, Mr. Jones or your average Democrat? Well, with your average Democrat, you know, with um, we're all about uh, getting government out of your lives. And the Democratic Party is all about taking over your lives, you know, taking your money taking more of your money from your paycheck instead of you deciding where it goes uh and they're, they're they're wanting to take as much as they can and distribute it out to how they see it see fit um you know where you have a lot of a lot of things that in the democratic side and the republican side we both agree on but the majority of the stuff is we're we're right in the middle of it so if you know we, we're low taxes less government in your lives more personal freedom um and more um choice for what you want to do, as long as you don't interfere with the rights of your fellow man, we don't. You're 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 good to go. Well, you're singing to the choir in many ways, but here's where I think we might differ, but in a friendly, chummy way. Yeah. Um, I've had people not to toot my own horn, but I am going to toot my own horn. Uh, people have called up Joey. You're so well read and eloquent, so thus intelligent. Yeah, right. Just because I, can, I have a silver tongue in some ways, not everybody thinks that, uh, doesn't mean I'm intelligent or that well read. I can memorize. I'm a good... Uh, I mimic well. Mm -hmm. But because of this, and because of the magic of radio, people say, you should run for office, Joey, because you're so well-spoken. I've said, number one, just speaking personally, you would never want me holding power over you. And that's the main reason why I, Ron, am a libertarian. I think there's a part of me that's a natural authoritarian. I'm the guy who plays civilization, and I go for the nuke, and I use it. Mm -hmm. um, so I see that, oh, man, if I have that leaning, I don't think... It, Power it seems like a terrible temptation to me, so I don't think I would ever personally run for office. But then I see there might be some folks who think, yeah, I want to do this. I want to be a public servant. But I want you to essentially, why would you want to deal with this? The process. You have people, you have to go out and meet all sorts of folks, you have to, as a libertarian, not only explain yourself, but be dealing with the partisan back and forth between Democrats and Republicans. What made you want to spend your days, instead of spending time with your lovely wife and doing your job, buying the computer? Why would you want to get yourself involved in this, man? I'm saying this out of love. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Um, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, I'm really concerned about the, the direction this country's going. You know, we're almost $20 trillion in debt. Um, nobody in Washington is willing to do the right thing to take care of that. Uh, we're in an endless war in the Middle East. There's, you know, it's, it's just sucking blood and treasure from us daily. Um, you know, when the 
the primaries came up and the you know the two uh republican candidates that were up there neither one of them were fit to be and to represent alabama so at that point i was like okay maybe i need to run and um, my friends in the, in the Libertarian Party have been talking to me about it, and I got uh, you know, we had a nice long meeting. I said, if we're going to do this, we're going to it's going to be serious. We're going to I need the entire state behind this, and let's get the National Party behind it if we can, and let's let's run this, let's go for it, let's make this a serious serious effort to you know give Alabama a better option than the the two you know two folks we have on the ballot now. Now, have you always been a Libertarian, or has this been an evolution? on your part, a revolution in thought? Um, I've been involved with the, uh, with the Libertarian Party since probably about 2012. Um, kind of considered myself a Republican back before then, mm-hmm. but I didn't I didn't jive with all their policies. You know, the, I like the, 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 uh, the physical... Uh, uh, Fis- finan- yeah, yeah, financial. Conservative, conservative yeah. yeah. Uh, I like the financial policies and stuff and everything, but I didn't like the social policies. Mm-hmm. You know, I... You know, I it shouldn't matter who you are, what color you are, or who you uh, you know associate with, as to whether you're a good person or not. What did you? What do you think of the drug war? Uh, I think it's been used as a tool of discrimination for years to ruin millions of lives. Um, you know, there's if if all the amount of money, the amount of money we spent on incarceration had been spent on um, uh, rehab and and and. Uh, uh, prevention and education, uh, we would see a lot better. We would probably wouldn't see as much as the, uh, especially the opioid epidemic that's going on now. Well, and, and to that point on that particular issue, um, there it's we now have 16 years of being able to look at this. Portugal in 2001, they decriminalized not just marijuana, mm-hmm. all drugs, mm-hmm. all drugs. And they also, I think, put more money into health centers and addiction treatment. And what happened is there was an initial spike because you know, all mm-hmm. drugs are decriminalized. The sale is still criminalized and distribution is still criminalized. And you see the spike in overdoses and deaths, but then you see this precipitous fall. So I think there is something to the idea of... Uh, what you're saying is that it's been used as a tool of discrimination, though. Do you think there was, um, on the people who maybe started the drug war, a, a conscious effort to do this sort of thing? Uh, definitely. Back, even back into the uh, 20s and 30s when they uh, criminalized marijuana to begin with, I mean, it was used as, as a way to keep certain people out of, the, you know, out of the cities or out of the neighborhoods that they were moving into. Now, on one of the toughest issues, I think, and it's where some libertarians often get split, um, and you said on foreign policy you're a non-interventionist. You mm-hmm. didn't like the perpetual war in the Middle East, mm-hmm. what I heard you say earlier. Um, but on foreign policy, on national security, say you are in the Senate, they tell you that North Korea is threatening the United States or China is moving in on the South China Sea and they're threatening other territories and international standards. Mm-hmm. I and mean, these are... Uh, pretty heady, complicated issues, and I agree with non-interventionism, but uh, how do you kind of see the world in terms of foreign policy, like what's going on, and take your pick, whether it's Eastern Europe, uh, Asia, the Middle East, Latin America, there's a lot to pick from here because we are a global endeavor, this U.S. government. What is your kind of general look on where foreign policy has gone? Uh, need, uh, need more diplomatic corps. I mean, you know, with North Korea... 
you know, um, that guy's a crazier than a bag of cats. You know, if you if you if we make any kind of uh, military swipe at him, um, you know, millions of South Koreans are going to die. You know, they they will open up fire and just you know do as much as they can until we take them out. You know, there's no no question we can take them out, but you know, we need to you know engage with China a little bit more. Get them, put some pressure on them. You know, they're our biggest trading partner. Put some pressure on them. They're not the only ones that can even, maybe even get a little sense into um, the North Korean leader. You know, and just, you know, look at it from that point. You know? Well, and t- uh, Trump has talked a big game, and he did during the uh, presidential campaign about China is ripping us off in terms of trade. But he's backed off that. Um what do you think Trump has maybe learned in terms of the United States relationship with China that has made him he occasionally th- talks about it protectionism but he it doesn't seem like it's materializing especially in terms of policy towards China. Yeah, I can only guess mm-hmm. but um you know I think he's I think some folks have finally kind of gotten through his head that you know China owns a large amount of our debt. You know, a large amount of our debt. And, you know, I don't, I don't think they can come and foreclose on us, but, you know, they can make um, uh, our economic policies uh, a little tough. Okay. So. Yeah, and I think it's a good uh, leverage point with the Chinese mm-hmm. as well, um, that if you essentially engage in protectionism, you get rid of the reason why they want to play. Right. Um, so let's move to this idea that how... I want you to imagine people out there, because most of the people I think that listen to this radio station are have a very conservative bent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll ask you a question I asked Roy Moore. Right now, we are looking at the FISA statute being renewed. Some people want to make it permanent. This is FISA 702. allows the government to do searches of people's cell phones, of people's internet communications, and there's this whole idea about backdoor searches. How do you feel, I'll ask the question more generally, about what has happened with the surveillance state, especially after 9-11? Um, you know, there's there's a place for um, security and, and, and looking for, uh, if you have, you know, if, if a law enforcement agency has, you know, information that they think this certain person is in to this you know they can use the the tools that they have and the laws that they have now to go and investigate that person but to arbitrarily capture all internet data um and 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 have that as a uh, searchable tool for whatever they want to use it for i'm completely against i mean it's you know that's that's a huge intrusion upon our uh, our liberties do you think that the republican party has actually lived up to his promises of free markets and low taxes and limited government? No, no, not in a long time. Where would you, who are the biggest culprits in the Republican Party, say, in the last 10, 15, let's say, turn of the century? There's, it's a target-rich environment. Right. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, the party leaders. I mean, it's, it's squarely up there. You know, I think a lot of the folks get into the office and then, then, then there are conjoled into following, stepping in line and following the, the party the party line um you know if if we got government out of health care if we got them out of um um uh, bus- you know regulations and stuff on businesses and stuff that would uh you'd see the, the cost of health care go down uh the cost of fuels go down um 
you know, it's just there's just too much government interference in it, and all that does is, you know, cause you know more cost on the businesses to do to make their products or or, or produce their products, and it's just passed on to us. Now, on the issue of immigration. Uh, do you think the United States has had too porous of a border, or the United States has been enforcing arbitrarily the immigration laws? Are they too intrusive? Are we not being tough enough and guarding the people? What's your take on immigration? Yeah, we have plenty of laws of, on immigration on the books already. We don't need to add more to it, uh, more enforcement of them probably. But I would like to see a, uh, a, a more streamlined process for people to come into the country via a work visa, or to come in and, you know, if you're a peace-loving uh, person of the world and you want to join us, the greatest nation on this earth, come on. We want you. Uh, and just make that process simpler. Of course, you know, check out and make sure that they have, you know, they don't have a criminal background and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, you know, we need, we're a country of immigrants. I mean, aside from the, the Native Americans that were here, you know, everybody else came here across the sea. I've been imagining, as I've been asking these questions, a lot of my conservative friends, the people I work with each day, and, and thinking about some of our disagreements. Now, I kind of want to imagine somebody, it's more difficult for me to do, though I have some friends on the left, of somebody who's, say, going to vote for Doug Jones, who's very uh, concerned with issues of what they would call women's rights. Uh, generally, we're seeing with the Harvey Weinstein scandal, more of a cultural issue, not quite as much a government issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but... As you say, you said you changed your mind, or you became more explicitly a libertarian in 2012, and it was on the social issues. Can you delve into that a little more? What, in particular, on the social issues did did you find? Oh, that's a little too far. Or yeah. Where do you want to go with this? Yeah, um, you know, um, I, you know, I have I have gay friends, uh, and you know, just it just seemed ridiculous that you know someone was having to go through as much angst as they were just because of who they are. And, you know, the Republican Party, a lot of the Republican Party, you know, are, you know, believe that, uh, and Roy Moore is one of them, that they ought to be in jail, that it ought to be illegal to be to be gay, to be who you are. Um, you know, um, the abortion thing is just a huge hot-button hot issue oh, yeah. that, um, you know... Th- as a libertarian, you know, we we don't we feel that the government shouldn't be involved in the process at all. You know, that is a that is a decision between a woman and her doctor and her family. Um, now, personally, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to quote Gary Johnson here. <laughs> um, you know, if my daughter came to me and said I'm pregnant, I'm thinking about having an abortion. Personally, I would ask her to keep it. I would say, you know, you know, look into keeping it, and whatnot. But I would never ever imposed my ideas on her, and it would be her decision whether she decided to keep it or not. Now, I've seen a bit of a debate in the libertarian community on the issue of abortion, and I, sometimes it comes to the question of viability, uh, can the child be saved, um, but so would you be for some restrictions on the franchise, or are you uh, generally sticking to what you just said? Um well, you know, and then once again, that's that's kind of a little bit of a thorny issue there. I, you know, I think if you're four or five months pregnant into it, you're pretty much committed at that point. You know, um, definitely would personally would not uh, sanction uh, late term abortions or anything like that. Um, you know, whether we need a rule for it, you know, that's the whole 
Yeah. Right, and I can tell as I I asked you this. Um, this is why I like doing in person interviews. Mm-hmm. That uh, you feel almost uncomfortable talking about in the sense that you would give you use an example of your daughter. You would give her advice, but you wouldn't impose. You wouldn't right. threaten her or harass her into doing what you wanted. Right. Well, there you go. Um, but it is a very tough issue because mm-hmm. if a child could be saved um, and is viable at a certain stage in the pregnancy, um, I, I guess I would be an evictionist is the word it's called. That you can essentially abort the pregnancy or induce early birth. But if you're at a point where the child could be viable and put up for adoption or taken somewhere else, I think that's the standard. But even there, oh, I've drawn a line, but it's still fuzzy. Right. Technology changes. Uh, what we're doing changes. And in my mind, the argument over when does life begin? Well, life begins at conception. It does. But there are plenty of laws that allow we, us to kill people. Mm-hmm. Self-defense laws allow us to kill people. Uh, the laws of war allows to kill people. Now, I don't know how they completely apply to this issue, but that's why I said eviction. It's almost like a, a right to one's body, and there's a life there in the body, and that's kind of how I would get on the issue. But um, I don't know if this is necessarily deciding, though I'm hearing people in Alabama are very divided on this issue. Very. It's passionate in this state. There is not... Uh, I would say it probably leans more toward the conservative consensus mm-hmm. here in this state, but there are fervent supporters of the right. Yep. So you are coming down on keep the government out. Keep the government out of it. It's a it's a decision between um, you know a, a woman and her doctor. You okay. know, if a doctor uh, doesn't want to perform an abortion, he doesn't have to do that service. No, let's. Move to a little lighter subject. You mentioned we talked about the war on drugs, and I mean, I imagine you would be all for what's happened in Colorado and California, the legalization of marijuana. Yep. That aside, how do you personally feel about the use of marijuana? There are no laws against it. People right. can do what they want. What would you say to say one of your kids if you found they were doing this? Well, it's the uh, same thing. Same. I had that conversation with my kids you know, about alcohol and drugs, and I was like, you know, you you have enough information, and from me and from other sources to know that, um, you know, drinking and driving is bad. You ever get you ever go out and party and you're drunk? You can call me at two o'clock in the morning. I will come pick you up, but do not get behind the wheel of that car. Um, if you're gonna, you know, start experimenting with marijuana, I highly suggest you wait till you get older. Just because of the you know the potential for you know learning disabilities and whatnot that some studies and stuff have had out there. So, but otherwise, you know, those are the two things. And now for harder drugs and stuff, you know, I just flat out told them, you know, this will kill you. Hmm. You know, you you make that decision. That's on you. You're going to you're going to either completely ruin your life or you're going to die. Well, and it is, uh, I like having that discussion in that way because so often it's like, this is wrong or this is right. Now government needs to make sure we correct the wrong or uphold the right. Um, and not right in terms of uh, individual right, but what is correct, what is good. And we lose a sense of moderation and proportion on how the government 
uh, should be used in our lives. But uh, we got to hit a break here, Ron. Okay. Again, we're talking to Ron Bishop. He is running a write-in campaign for the U.S. Senate election upcoming here. It's December 12th. December 12th. And so write in if you like Ron Bishop. We'll talk a little bit about the politics of this. Oh, a vote for Ron is a vote for somehow the other person I'm, I'm opposing, even though it's, it was a vote for Ron. But I want to get into a discussion that isn't common on political talk. I want to talk about uh, your values and how you grew up and what is kind of motivated in your personal life and okay. and what virtue you fostered in your life um, through your many years. So, I uh, again... I'm enjoying this. This is refreshing, and it's a little weird for me. I'm used to interviewing candidates being sort of this intense game of, you know, back and forth. And now we pretty much understand each other and want to open up also the phone lines, 272-9228, 272-9228. Y'all can ask Ron any question y'all like, as long as the FCC, the F and FCC, <laughs> don't curse on air, folks. We'll be right back. Joey Clark. Welcome back to the program. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Be sure to go and like our Facebook page. My guest this evening is Ron Bishop. He's running in the U.S. Senate race, the special election coming up on December the 12th. But you're having to run a write-in campaign. That's correct. And again, this is because the ballot access rules are so restrictive here in the state and play into the two major parties? Yes. Yeah. In order to get ballot access, uh, statewide ballot access, you know, you need 3% of the last voter turnout for the last governor's election. And, um, you know, that was that's roughly about 36,000 validated signatures. Uh, we didn't have the time frame to do that for this election, and it's pretty tough to do throughout. In fact, the Libertarian Party, since it since it was enacted, uh, the Libertarian Party is the only party that's been able to do it, and they did it once, and I think that was in 2000. Um, then if, you're, if you get enough signatures to get on the statewide ballot, then in order to retain ballot access for the next election cycle, you have to pull 20% of the vote. Wow. Yes. Wow, so it's hard to get a foothold. Uh, definitely, definitely. Okay, so and you want essentially people to write in your name on election day? Yeah, I mean, go out and check out our platform, see what, uh, see if the Libertarian Party appeals to you, and um, you know if if we can get more people to show up at the voting booths for this December twelfth election, that's a win right there. Well, we've been talking about the platform, but uh, how can folks read it for themselves? Uh, where can folks go to check out what you believe in and what you want to do? Uh, well, we have a, a website up. You can go to www.writeinron.org or ronbishopforussenate.com. Uh, you can also go out to the Libertarian Party of Alabama's website and the national lp.org uh, website. Uh, you know, check out um, you know, our platform, how we stand on the issues, and uh, see if it appeals to you. Okay. Again, folks, uh, Ron Bishop is our guest. Let's go to the phones. And talk to Joe. Joe, how are you this evening? You're on. Hi, I'm fine, thanks. Uh, your uh, guest there was talking about how he 
spoke to his kids about drinking alcohol. And if they had too much to drink, he would come get them anytime. Uh, I think you rethink that. Alcohol is uh, very addicting. And if, uh, you know, become an alcoholic, you can only go, go and get them so many times. And, uh, I mean, alcohol is terrible. There's been NASCAR drivers that given up million-dollar gigs because they wouldn't uh, drive cars with the alcohol sponsors on them. And also uh, marijuana. I know your take on marijuana, Joe. I've been listening long enough. Indeed. And uh, I've, uh, I was addicted to marijuana for about 35 years and was able to quit, but it was it was no easy task. It was mostly it was kind of a psychological addiction to it? No, it was, it was physical, too. Uh, I couldn't eat, had no appetite, uh, just craved it. Uh, you know, because you start out, it's a lot of fun, and, 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 and I'm, it, it still is fun if you smoke it, but uh, I would, it, it is pretty addictive, uh, I, I guess, for some people more than others. But I've done uh, tons of acid back in the 70s when mm-hmm. I was a teenager, and, you know, it, it, it didn't seem to bother me. But the marijuana did uh, affect my brain. I, I can't, you know, I'm not as bright as I would have been if I, if I never smoked it. I think I'm not mm-hmm. a scientist, but that's the way I feel because... Uh, I smoked it every day, uh, several times a day, and I couldn't go to work if I didn't have any. Uh, it was just like a heroin or something, hmm. and, and I didn't smoke it for fun. After a while, it was I had to have mine, and if someone else bought theirs, I'm paid. They had smoked all theirs up. Don't come, don't come wanting any of mine. But I got my rationed out through the week, you know, just enough for me. But that's all I had on it, and uh, just felt like doing the way I feel about it. And I appreciate your show, bud. Okay, well, thank you, Joe. <laughs> Uh, and he's right about the withdrawal symptoms, but I think they last like a week. Um, and and if I'm not trying to downplay his personal experience, he sounded pretty open-minded. And you're obviously against alcoholism and addiction. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's all about personal responsibility. You right. know, if you're, you know, if if your alcohol consumption uh, affects your uh, ability to, you know, live your life, then you know. It's your responsibility to make sure you take care of that. Right. And, I, again, I see that with the opioid crisis, with any drug or any bad habit. You, it is about personal responsibility. And um, it is also giving it up to the community without having the sort of stigma and the law mm-hmm. always hanging above your head when you're really in a lot of trouble um, health-wise. And let's go back to the phones and talk to Frank. Frank, you have a question for Ron Bishop. I do, sir. I live out in Macon County, and I do know for a fact that um, both the other two candidates on the ballot uh, choose nothing to do with initiative referendum. And, Joey, do you know initiative referendum, the definition of that for your listeners? No, actually, I don't. You've caught me with my pants okay. down here. Uh, uh, Ron may know, but uh, let me educate your, your, your listeners. Initiative in referendum is held by citizens in 26 states. In Washington, D.C., the initiative part of the equation is where you as a citizen would have the right to place a measure uh, that would be a statute and a constitutional amendment on the ballot. Um, the, the referendum part of the equation is what I really like is where you would have the authority and the power to ratify or reject all legislative action. Named that sixty-two percent pay raise in two thousand seven. Yes, I know. Um, I know what you're talking about now, and this is very yep. functional in California, and essentially very direct democracy on a given single issue. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Exactly. And I would like to know how uh, Ron feels on this score awesome. because I know his 
the uh, others do not. Yeah, I support that 100%. Well, thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. And, yeah, if we had more of that, I think we could have gotten out some corrupt governors here in this state. And oh, Definitely. Do you think that would work on the federal level? That would be an interesting, on a federal level, uh, I guess, I mean, it, you know, California is a pretty big place, and if they're able to kind of get, you know, a ballot initiative drive going there and get enough, you know, backing behind it on there, I could, I could see where you could do it, probably nationally also. Okay. Well, let's go to the phones, and we're going blind, not because my pants are down, but because I just didn't ask who this was. Who's this? You're on the air. Hi, Joey. This is Tim. How you doing? Hey, Tim. I'm doing pretty well. You have a question for Ron Bishop or a comment? I do. A comment and kind of a question. Uh, the ballot uh, access, uh, you know, that's been a real pet peeve of mine since 95 when they first created that thing. And in 02, they came back. Uh, the Libertarians actually had a convention and they had access to the ballot. Yes. And they placed a whole slate of candidates statewide on uh, on our ballot and you know they created their own little whatever primary and did it whereas we pay for the democrats and the republicans and they actually feel like they own government i was watching uh, worthy on uh alabama on friday night comes on pbs mm-hmm. and she was trying to make hay about people crossing over and voting you know I think California has open primaries or something where they take the top two. That makes more sense than these people, we the taxpayers, paying five to six million dollars for these guys to pick and choose who we select as our public officials. And, you know, it's, 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 there's something wrong with that. We should be able to get on that ballot if you have a legitimate party registered with the Secretary of State. And I think with your candidacy, I'd love to help you with that. Uh, we should make an issue of that. Oh, yeah. And, and, that's, and that's one of the things we want to um, bring to attention with this writing campaign is the, you know, the difficulty for you know, independents and third parties to get on the ballot. Um, you know, just I think it was last year they even passed a new, uh, new rule that they won't even count write-in votes until they reach a certain threshold. If they see that in a district uh, that the write-in votes are getting up there and affecting the, the two uh, the candidates that are on the ballot, then, they're, then they can um, uh, count those votes and, and publish those. Otherwise, we're going to have to pay uh, the state in order to count all those write-in votes. <laughs> Let me uh, say one thing else. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in o- '02, uh, I ran for the Senate, oh. uh, state Senate here, and I I got on the ballot as a Democrat because I didn't have you you know the Libertarians had their candidate, and the Democratic Party I, I actually won their primary. I beat their candidate. Wow! As an as an outsider, and we become great friends. A guy named Jeff Webb. I ran against Larry Dixon. I didn't have a chance, but I, I got 25% of the vote. I didn't spend about $600. But, you know, the next year, they came back, and they they saw that the Libertarians had, had ballot access, and they changed that law. I went up to the state house, right? I had a press pass and everything at the time. I, I ran a, a, a news website called CART, Central Alabama Radio Talk Network, and I used to stream your station and everything. When it was WVAF. Well, that explains the sulky voice then, too. <laughs> but anyway, I filmed about 30 uh, senators and 
state representative and ask them why were they voting to make our ballot more restrictive. It's already the, one of the most restrictive ballots in the country for independents and, and third parties to get on. And none of those guys had read it. And just like Roger and me, Michael Moore's movie, he won a, an Oscar. That's where I got the idea from. For all uh, the uh, guys closed down General Motors. But anyway, I filmed these guys. And some of them are dead. Hmm. But I put it up on the Internet. And I've been trying to get people to look at that. And I asked these guys. And none of them had read that legislation. And it was the fourth piece of uh, legislation that they were going to vote on. The opening day of the 2003 legislative session. And you can find it. There's, there's two of them. It's, at, it's a YouTube uh, channel called HOP. H-O-P-C-U-Z. And just look at Dick Brubaker's on there, uh, guy, uh, Governor Bentley singing the praises of AEA. I mean, all kinds of contradictions. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Mm. But I caught him. I have Paul Hubbard. I've stuck the camera in his face, and then he came over and got me and took my press pass and threw me out of the legislature. No, you flew too close to the sun, Icarus. And, Tim, I, you're hitting on a very important issue, and it is very much what Ron's hitting at, too, is that the two parties act like they own government. They, they do. And we sit here and talk about these big issues and hypotheticals when we w- should be looking at the, the nuts and bolts of how government is working at the local level, how the parties control the process. Um, so I, I appreciate your call tonight. and I, I, I'm going to vote for you, just for the echo. Grab, we, either either you or Roy Moore. <laughs> Take care. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Now, we've been focusing kind of on, you know, you've got the, the Moore supporter and you're addressing them. You've got the Doug Jones supporter and you're addressing them. But would you like to make an appeal to maybe the person that doesn't like either? And I'm to hell with it. It's a scam anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if 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 you're sitting there and you're looking at this election and you're like, you know, I don't like either one of these guys, you know, uh, it's there's nothing's going to change, nothing's going to you know make a difference whether this guy gets in or this guy gets in, you know, go out and look at our platform. You know, we're we're pretty middle middle of the road. You know, we you know we we're appealing to a lot of more people and as i've been going out to different festivals and um i was in uh columbiana last night at the monster walk and uh, everyone that i shook hands with and handed them a flyer um i was letting them know that if you didn't like who's on the ballot check out our platform and i I would say about 90 percent of the folks go i don't like either one of these guys and i said well check out you know check out check us out if you know if it if we appeal to you write my name in there you know if we can get more people to get out to the ballot box and to either write in my name or vote we'll see better uh candidates come up on the on the on the on the ballots well and this is only just the beginning it seems yes yes so you want people to write in ron bishop on election day if they feel disenfranchised exactly Okay, and, and just know that uh, I'm not a, your typical politician. I'm not bought no. and paid for by, you know, the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. Um, you know, I am just a regular Joe out here that loves this country, loves this state, and feels that we're being shortchanged. Well, and you hit on something I've been saying for a little while, and a lot of I think libertarians have been saying for years, Ron, um, that it, moderate in this country, people that claim to be in the middle 
are the folks who have been running the country, but they claim a moderate is somebody who wants a big warfare state and wars abroad and sort of for deterrence abroad and whatever you want to call it. I like to call it these days empire, but they want a big warfare state and they want a big welfare state. That's the moderate, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. And if you look at it, the, a lot of these people in power, whether it's Schumer or Pelosi, whether it's uh, Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy or Paul Ryan, they will talk a big game, but they always seem to come to that middle of, okay, protect the welfare state, protect the warfare state. That's where mm-hmm. we compromise. What I would love to see is a groundswell where people on the left and people on the right go, we do have a place where you can compromise on, but it's in shrinking those things. Right. It's actually in bringing government back locally and, and back home. Exactly. But yet, have you had folks that try to brand you an extremist in any way? How has it been out there on you know trying to get your name out there? What's the reaction been like? Um, it's 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 been up and down. <laughs> I've been called a Roy Moore plant, a Doug Jones plant. I'm being paid by Roy Moore. I'm being paid by Doug Jones. And if y'all guys want to send those donation checks in, <laughs> I'd greatly take them. Um, but, you know, it it just depends. People are very passionate. And when we get into these discussions on Facebook or on um, AL.com chat channels and stuff and everything, um, you know, the people, you know, the, I, I, I hope this is not their true colors. I just hope this is them being able to sit behind a computer and say what they want to. Okay. Well, I'm I'm enthused. Like, I find myself actually, like, I've been in this political despair for so long. <laughs> and this man named Ron Bishop walks in, and I'm honestly, Ron, because I've learned not to expect much from politics. I'm not expecting much, but you're this down-to-earth guy that mm-hmm. we've had a conversation on many of the issues on the process. Um, I want to ask where you kind of, how you were formed personally. Or your personal virtues and values come from, like whether it's work ethic or faith. Um, how, how did you? How were you raised, and what was life like in that regard? Well, I grew up in Eufaula, uh, a little small town in South Alabama, and uh, moved to the big city uh, my junior year in high school uh, to Birmingham. And um, you know, so growing up in Eufaula was it was it was like May, you know uh, Andy Griffiths now May, Mayberry Mayberry yeah. Yeah. yeah you know we rode our bicycles everywhere we knew everybody you know it was it was a great place to grow up and I you know I guess I kind of uh, who I, who I was going to become kind of started there um, because it was very friendly I mean it was just you know everybody respected everybody um, you know it really was just wasn't a lot of angst. Um, you know, move to Birmingham, uh, make new friends, um, and, you know, I started, you know, went to college for, um, uh, x-ray technology and also, um, nursing, um, like to, uh, uh, hang out with my friends a little more than I did study. Mm-hmm. So kind of put that on the burner, burner back burner. I understand that. And started working in computers because I always, always liked, uh, uh, you know, taking electronics and, and doing things. And so just my first job probably set my worth, ec- worth ec- ethic for the rest of my life. You know, it was, uh, I was given a job to do. Um, I was treated with respect in my job and the, per- the, pe- the people that I worked for listened to my ideas. And so from there on, it's just, you know, you do what you got to do. And then when my son was born, that made me grow up. How old were you when your son was born? Uh, 22. 
Oh wow! Twenty three. You grew up. I'm twenty eight, and I'm still barely barely take care of myself. Yeah, so you had to grow up <laughs> fast, man. Yeah. Well, you know, I, it was it, I, we had, the, my ex wife and I. You know, we had a great time. We we enjoyed life, and you know, it was all just about us. And then, but when Travis was born, I was like, okay, it's time to grow up. Yeah, <laughs> and the big thing is, it's not about me. It's exactly. Not him. Yeah, it's no longer about me. I have a huge responsibility uh, sitting in front of me that um, you know I can I can either um, you know man up and and do the right thing or be a terrible dad, and hmm. that that scared me more than anything. So you went to and it's like I got to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to teach this kid the right things. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not a father by any means. I think it comes across that way. I'd like to think I'd still be this sort of silly, foolish dad. Oh, um, yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> have fun. But it does change your perspective, I'm sure, when you realize it, it. It makes you put it this way. Some libertarians like to go and grab the old phrase from the revolutionary period, don't tread on me. Right. Um, but the real message is don't tread on anyone. Exactly. And I think that sort of being other-directed, it's about who you're providing for, whether it's your friends or your kin, that is why we want freedom, why we want liberty. Exactly. So, uh, we're only about two minutes out, and this will be the show. This hour's flown by. Definitely. But uh, kind of a final pitch, where can folks check out your platform? How can, if they want to volunteer and support you, mm-hmm. uh, where can they go? And I just want to make clear before you do that, that if Roy Moore wants to come on the program, have a friendly discussion, Roy and I um, have some very fundamental disagreements, but I will be very friendly if he wants to come on. Same for Doug Jones. I'd love to talk to Doug Jones and get to know him. Uh, so the, this space is open to anybody. But, yes, how can folks uh, sort of help you and find out more about you themselves? Yeah, check us out on Facebook, Ron Bishop for U.S. Senate, or go to our website, www.writeinron.org or www.ronbishopforussenate.com. Okay, Ron Bishop for USSenate.com. And again, it's a writing campaign, folks. Definitely. And I love, Ron, that you're spotlighting how the parties in this state in particular, because it is not like this around the rest of the United States, well, they're controlling the process. And that might explain why it seems always like a one party state. Exactly. It might seem like why did it all of a sudden just swing so heavily Republican from being so heavily Democrat for years? It's because these parties control so much. Alabama claims to hate government, and I had a wise friend tell me a while ago, Joey, conservatives in particular don't hate government. They hate government that isn't theirs to command. (laughs) I was like, that's a wise phrase. It is. And I'm not even sure if that guy's a libertarian. He's just, he's got a keen eye. Um, So again, thank you so much for coming in, and folks, uh, check out Ron online. Again, Ron Bishop, it's a writing campaign, and... uh, this has been great. I would love to have you back. Whatever happens in the election, I want to keep this conversation going. It's uh, yeah. great to get to know you. I'd love to do it again. Thank you. Again, folks, this has been the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow, 6 to 7. Then I'll be off to the Rich Thomas 40th anniversary. I hope they don't shut up shop too early. And for now, I'm about to go over to Baumhauer's and, well, chase the dragon. No, not the opioid crisis, but spicy food. The spiciest sauce. Feel the pain. Joey Clark.